0: Galatians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin with verse number 6, Galatians chapter 1, and I am going to read about five verses, beginning with verse number 6 of Galatians chapter 1. I marvel, the Apostle Paul now is writing to the church in Galatia, and he says, I marvel that ye are so Soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which actually there's not another, but there be some that trouble you. And they would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men for if I yet pleased men should I not be the servant of Christ. By the help of the Lord I am going to preach a little bit. We have one shot at this today. Now, I'm going to preach for a little bit, not, not because I feel like I, I want to preach a long time. I just have a whole lot to say about this subject this morning. And if you'll give me the liberty today, I'm going to preach a little while. And my question today is, are you fully persuaded? Are you fully persuaded? If you're persuaded, put your hands together and give God praise with your lips right now. Lift your voice and magnify the King this morning. He's alive. Hallelujah. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. In Jesus name. Glad to have gentry and destiny with us this morning. I think this is this may be their first Sunday of this year to not be preaching and I would have had him preach this morning, but I felt I needed to preach today because I knew what the Lord was wanting to speak and so I'm glad that they are with us. Today, and this is a rare honor to get to preach uh, with him sitting on the front row. So I feel like old times. We just rolled the clock back about 10 years. Amen. I come to you today understanding the weight of the message that I feel the Lord would have me deliver. You don't have to agree with me on things that are left of my personal convictions, or my personal interpretations. But this is a Bible believing and Bible teaching church. You can question my convictions and my interpretations, but you cannot question. This is the final say. That's why, as a church, we believe the whole gospel must be preached to the whole world. And there is, as the Apostle Paul says, there is not another gospel. There is only one truth. The Apostle Paul addressed the Galatian church. And appears in this text to be caught off guard by them being so easily affected by someone trying to persuade them with different teachings than that that the apostles had already preached to them. Because when the apostles preached the gospel to them, there was a drastic change in their life. And so the apostle is caught off guard at the fact that they would be so quickly moved or persuaded to believe another gospel in which he says is not really another gospel. As a matter of fact, the good apostle said, he used these words, he said they are troubling You. And his words, not mine, he said, Let them be accursed. Powerful sounding words. In other words, he said, Let them be doomed with misery for perverting or troubling you and teaching false doctrine. Let me reiterate that as the pastor of this church, I have the authority to speak on behalf of what this church believes. Before I was ever the pastor of this church, as a matter of fact, in 1965, this church established what they call the preamble or articles of faith that were put on file as the establishment of this congregation. What I preach and teach to you from this pulpit and specifically what I'm going to say this morning is directly in line with what the founders of this church established before I was even born. But the fact is, is what they established as Bible doctrine in 1965 that would be the foundational doctrine for this church was believed and preached long before any of the elders that established that preamble for this congregation because it was founded in the Word of God. And what I preach and teach from this pulpit I want you to understand that I believe with every fiber of my being. If you have questions, I'm open to try to answer them for you. If there be one that may wonder about doctrine, we have an entire Bible study team. We are constantly training and teaching people to teach Bible studies. We have Bible study teachers that are willing to go into the Word of God and teach what thus saith the Word of God. We have multiple ministers in this congregation qualified, many of them licensed and some even ordained, able to teach quality Lessons from the Word of God and teach and preach what the Bible declares as the gospel message. I subscribe to the idea that my dad used to say as a kid growing up. As a matter of fact, I reminded Gentry last night of my dad making and putting an ad in the newspaper. We have the young people in this morning. There's something that's called a newspaper. We used to get it dropped at our door every morning. It's a great big huge piece of paper that you would hold open like this. And it had all the news and most of it a lot more accurate than the news you get today. But you could pay money and put things for sale in the newspaper. Or you could post events that are happening in the newspaper. It was a way to advertise. It was like a precursor to the internet. Somebody help me this morning. I'm trying to describe this to some kids that are looking at me going, huh? Like our first job, one of my first jobs... I think my very first job, when I, I I went house to house and delivered newspapers, and I got paid something like a nickel per newspaper. Anyway, they're not going to get this. My dad took out an ad in the newspaper, and he posted that ad, and he would run that ad at on occasion and he said, if you can find one place in the Bible, anybody can find one place in the Bible where anyone was ever baptized in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I will buy you a new car. He would up the ante. He would offer them all sorts of things. He never had any takers. The litmus test For every person who wants to teach Bible doctrine, my first question for them is going to be this. How do you baptize? Because if they don't baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for remission of sins, they are a false teacher. I'm in the Word of God this morning. Does it mean they're a bad person? No. Does it mean they're wrong in everything they say? No. But their theology cannot be trusted because they are teaching man's words instead of Bible doctrine. So, so let me talk about what identifies Christian Life Church an Apostolic Bible Church. What identifies our church? First, we don't never have and never will shy away from the fact that we are an apostolic church. It's who we are. That's who we are. Look at your neighbor and tell them that's who we are. We are an apostolic church. We don't shy away from that. This church can trace its roots back to the foundation of the very first church that was started on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. There are there are a lot of churches in the world today and many of them are changing their fundamental doctrines to try to cope with the world and be politically correct in the world and and please everybody in the world i believe our text p- covers that pretty clearly of what the apostle paul's opinion of churches that are trying to just meet the the general population let's let's just Let's just see which way the wind blows today. Let's, let's just take a poll and see what the church wants to believe. And let's just see, listen, it doesn't matter what we want to believe or what the pressure of the world puts upon us. We have absolute truth in the Word of God that must always be the foundation of what this church is. We believe this so strongly that let me tell you the very church building that you were sitting in this morning before we ever poured the foundation. Brother Newcomer, remember we took these, we took some Bibles and they wrapped them in cellophane to try to protect them and they placed them in the four corners and in among some of the pillars and when we started pouring the footings of this building, they took and the first thing they did was went through and they began to cover in the foundation of this church is the Word of God. It would mean nothing, but I came this morning to tell you It goes deeper than the foundation of this building. It goes back to the foundation of the doctrine of the Word of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. That's who we are. That's who we are. I hear them claiming that they love God and they believe the Bible. But then their life reveals a different message than I find in the born-again Christians of the New Testament church. I received a phone call some time ago from a very dear and close friend of mine who we ran together for a very long time. He was one of my very close friends. And he called me one day as he was driving through the area and I offered to get together with him and he turned me down. And he told me I wouldn't recognize certain things about his lifestyle change. And he said, now I still believe the apostolic doctrine. I just don't believe the apostolic lifestyle and separation from the world is any longer necessary. The question was asked, define apostolic lifestyle. Because every doctrine defines its own lifestyle. Apostolic doctrine defines a true apostolic culture. So I believe I can stand here this morning and remind this church, if, if those elders that are in this room this morning that are scratching your head and saying, why in the world is pastor Ranning about Bible doctrine this morning? Because we have a generation sitting on this front row this morning that needs to know we are not questioning what we believe. We know who we are and why we are who we are and why we believe what we believe believe and why we teach what we teach. They need to know we believe it and we are willing to die for it. An individual's lifestyle will always reveal their fundamental doctrine. If one teaches a doctrine that he does not live, he is simply inauthentic. My prayer is that what I preach and what I live are one and the same. If you study churches, you will discover that many in the modern church or as some have defined as the emergent church is returning to denominationalism. And that is what we came out of in the modern day revival. Now let me stress, I believe that there is a thread that goes back through the eons of time all the way to the early church. But because of persecution, because of death, go back and study church history Through the time of the Crusades, when people were absolutely killed, martyred for what they believed. In the 1500s, after a long season of persecution, because see, the church did well until about 325 A.D. Oh, there was confusion. The Bible, it's all in where people are confused. Idolatry, all sorts of different things being taught and preached. And the apostles dealt with it all through the scripture. And about 325 A.D. when the Nicene Council came together and began to to try to formulate a doctrine that would please everybody. They left the doctrine of the Word of God. And they began to try to unify the belief in many gods and the belief in two gods and the belief in one God and they came up with a, an unbiblical formula by which the church of that day was going to be founded, which it wasn't the true church. But they adopted the idea of the, the Nicene Council, adopted the idea of Trinitarianism being mainstream denominational doctrine for the church. Anyone who did not believe it or accept it would be killed people were burned at the stake for declaring the word of god hero israel the lord our god is one they burned the bibles took them away so people could not have them because they wanted to silence anyone who may have a remnant of knowledge of what the original early church believed persecution from 3 from 300 through about 1500 until a man by the name of Martin Luther, who was a priest in the Catholic Church. I don't have time to walk you through the whole Protestant Reformation, but I want to just share with you a little highlight, if I may, when Martin Luther wrote the book titled The 95 Theses, which... Was not intended, I think, to be a book in its original writing. Became a book later called The 95 Thesis. He declared that the just shall live by faith. And that salvation came by faith through Jesus Christ. He was immediately branded a heretic by the Catholic Church an outlaw by the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. His arrest was ordered. His literature was banned. It became illegal for anybody to shelter him. And killing him in broad daylight would bring no governmental consequences. But he stood for what he believed. And he began what was known as the Reformation. And and even though they were threatening to kill him, there was a group of people that were hungry for truth. And they harbored him. And they protected him. But Martin Luther was willing to die for what he believed. They excommunicated him from the church. They threw him out. They thought that they had silenced his voice. But I want to tell you this morning that I repeat some words of my former pastor when he used to say, I would rather be in a storefront preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ than in a great cathedral preaching something that is not truth to thousands. Give me a remnant of people that want Bible doctrine and I'll show you a group of people that want, that are the foundation for a modern day revival. Following that names such as John Wesley who received a higher level of understanding and John Wycliffe and William Tyndall, and on and on we go until we reach to the early 1900s and men like G.T. Haywood that step forward and begin to baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ in Fall Creek in Indianapolis. And people from right here in the city of Frankfurt would go by streetcar. And would go to tent revivals that preachers out of Brother G.T. Haywood's church would come to Lebanon and hold tent revivals and they would go by streetcar from Frankfurt to Lebanon and would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and would be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And from there... A church was founded right here in the city of Frankfurt. I have history recorded. I have a picture from 1926 that hangs on the wall of my office. If you've never came in to see it, I would love to have the opportunity to share it with you and talk a little bit about our church history and how we got to where we are. But I want to just point out to you, and I've got to hurry this morning or I'm really going to take longer than I intended to take. Martin Luther was willing to die for what he believed. John Wesley was willing to die for what he believed. John Wycliffe was willing to die for what he believed. William Tyndall was willing to die for what he believed. G.T. Haywood sent ministers right here to the city of Frankfurt. African-American ministers who were harbored right here. But some of my wife's relatives who lost their jobs very good jobs in the factories because they were housing an African-American in this town. I'm talking about at the turn of the century. They were housing people here that were coming to bring the apostolic message to the city of Frankfurt. Yet they did not allow that to prevent them from having revival and continuing the church. and we get offended over little things like the sound system's too loud or it's too cold. Come on, somebody. There were men that was willing to die for this. They gave their blood, sweat, and tears for this. When this church was founded in 1965, our late bishop, Brother Paul Price, left a thriving church in Akron, Ohio, Barberton, Ohio, to come here to establish this church. He was willing to give up whatever he had to do to follow the call of God. I stand in this pulpit humbled this morning on the shoulders of men that were willing to die for this truth. I want you to know this morning that I have an obligation to preach what I'm preaching this morning. This is who we are. Oh, I thank God for this truth. I have three sons and three daughter-in-laws and a wife and a whole host of family members that are still believing this one God apostolic message. It's worth it all. If I lose everything, it's worth it all. Here's the sad part about many popular ministries and preachers. They're leading churches astray because they're becoming pole-oriented. I want psychology to direct our church. I want to see what the people want. Let's give the congregation what they want for the sake of unity. That's not unity. That's false doctrine. Our elders gave everything they had to establish and protect this Bible truth. They were rejected because they rejected popular culture and mainstream denominational teachings. I'm not a proponent. Of, being, of intentional confrontation. You know that about me. I don't even like confrontation. I cringe at the idea of confrontation, some kind of in your face with differences. I, I, that's not me. That's not who I am. But neither do I think that we can afford to remain silent and not teach and preach and live out what we really believe and who we really are. Come on, CLC. This city, this region, this area of North North Central Indiana needs to know we are unashamably Christian. We are undoubtedly Jesus' name, apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled, holiness-living, outward-worshiping people that are willing to proclaim the gospel in every region that God opens a door. Our doctrine goes back to the book of Acts. We don't teach some watered down message intended to please men in this culture. We, as a matter of fact, the true church is called by God to counter the culture. It seems like everybody wants miracle signs and wonders. I was talking to Brother Scott about a conversation I had some time ago, and I'm just going to say it like it really is this morning. If you want miracle signs and wonders, then we must be willing to be authentic apostolic as a church. Everything we read in the New Testament church needs to be who we are. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of spoof and a bunch of smoke and mirrors. I don't need somebody to lie for God when somebody receives their healing. I want I want it to be a genuine move of the holy ghost that reaches down and touches them when somebody receives the baptism of the holy ghost i don't need somebody to teach them how to speak in tongues but saying words backwards i want there to be a downpour from heaven that falls upon them after they have repented and been baptized in jesus name and there is an overflow of the spirit that comes out of their belly and through their mouth and they speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. There's no other salvation I find in Scripture. It's not there. In order to understand what it means to be apostolic, first we must understand the root and the meaning of the original word. Apostle. According to Unger's Bible Dictionary comes from a Greek word, apostolos which means an appointed delegate. In English, it simply means one that is sent with a special message or a commissioned. An apostle is someone that is commissioned. To be apostolic means to be apostle-like or following the examples of the apostles, which means that everything that we do, we are commissioned from God. It is... A commission from God directly in line with the Word of God, which includes apostolic authority. Oh, we want God to speak directly to us and do what God's telling us to do when you haven't talked about your covering. Well, Pastor, this is what I feel God's telling me to do. If God's telling you to do it, I'm not telling you he's not telling you to do it, but he's going to confirm it through the man of God. That's how he has always worked. There is an apostolic authority. When I open this pulpit and hand this mic off to one of our other preachers, they are coming under authority, but when they step in this pulpit, they have apostolic authority to preach the word of God Demons are subject. Spirits are subject. I'll talk about it in two weeks. But there is not a demon in hell that can stand against somebody who is under apostolic authority. Because when you are under authority, then you can be the over authority. But until you are submitted under, you cannot be over. It is the over and the under. It has got to work together. And when God sends it, he will always send it through his line of authority. The truest meaning, an apostle is a special messenger of Jesus Christ, a person whom Jesus has delegated the authority for for a certain task. The original qualifications of an apostle, as stated by Peter, was that he should have been personally acquainted with the Lord's ministry from his baptism by John to his ascension. So an apostle had to personally witness the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the qualifications, the original qualifications for an apostle. So they had to physically be there to witness the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. By this close personal relationship with him, they were peculiarly fitted to give testimony of the fact of I've seen him, I know, I have experienced the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, Let me move a little deeper into this teaching. Paul's claim to be an apostle was questioned by others. He based his apostleship, however, on the direct call which he received from Jesus who appeared to him on the Damascus road and on the Lord's blessing of his ministry in winning converts and establishing churches. But what they did not understand was that while the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, what they did not understand that was while he did not physically see Christ's death, burial, and resurrection— Paul identified with his death, burial, and resurrection in a very real way. He was traveling, a persecutor of the church, was struck down by a great light that shined down out of heaven. He had an experience that was unbelievable and undeniable. And God gave him specific direction and called him to be an apostle he said i paul an apostle of jesus christ he identifies his apostleship to us because paul identified with christ in the same way that we as apostolics this is where we this is how and why we call ourselves apostolic because you can't join An apostolic church by just signing your name on a roster. You don't join the church, but just showing up and saying, I'm going to be a contributor financially. I want to be a voting voice in business meetings. I want to be a decision maker. That's not how you are part of a genuine apostolic church. There's church government. I'm not talking about that this morning. But I'm talking about how you really become apostolic. Because the Apostle Paul was an Apostle out of season, meaning he he didn't have the opportunity to physically witness the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he comes along after that that had already happened. He comes along with a personal relationship with God, an experience with God. And he identifies with the death, burial, and resurrection by repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Death equals death. Repentance when you die out to your sins, that's the death. All the typology of Old Testament moving into the New Testament. there There is a death, a dying out of who I used to be and who I wanted to be and on all that I gave up to be. That is the death and so then there is the burial and we are buried Am I in the Word of God this morning? Could I get some elders that know I'm in the Word of God? We are buried with Him in baptism. What does that mean? When we go down in water, we are Buried with him in baptism. That means we go under in submersion. We are buried with him in baptism. So we die in repentance. We are buried with him in baptism. And then we are filled or we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost just like they did in the book of Acts. Everywhere you see that they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there may be a lot of personal experiences, but there was one clear sign. The Bible said they That they had received the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with other tongues and glorify God. So, the only way that you know that you have been filled with the Holy Ghost is when you hear them speak with other tongues and glorify God. Am I in the Word of God this morning? I come to tell you that we are apostolic because we have identified like the Apostle Paul with his death, burial and resurrection repentance, baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So you don't join the church, you are born into the church by repentance baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Then I am a new creature in Christ Jesus I've taken on his name and now I am part of the body and Jesus said when you're in my hand nobody can pull you out the church can't vote you out, the preacher can't Put you out. You are in God's hand. I've got to hurry. Let's look at some of the traditional teachings about the modern church. I'm going to try to wrap this up in the next couple minutes. Music team's getting ready. We're going to turn them loose in a few minutes. I'm on page eight, all right? I only have 15 pages. (laughs) Music's getting ready in my first close. I told you I had some stuff to say this morning. Hopefully it doesn't take me as long to say the second half as what it did to say the first half. Let's look at some of the traditional things about the modern church. It's not required. First off, you don't have to have a building, but you do have to assemble. Well, I'm just going to stay home. Me and Jesus got our own thing going, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. I still believe that the church ought to be faithful. When the doors are open, we ought to be there. We ought to be faithful. You don't have a building, but you ought to be faithful to an assembly. And you gotta have a pastor because you cannot receive. If I'm not him, you need to find him. But you've got to have a pastor because you cannot hear without a preacher, and he cannot preach unless he has been sent. I come today to remind you, you don't have to have a building, but you got to have an assembly, and you got to have a pastor. Good, I just skipped the whole page because you got it. You don't have to have Sunday school. That's man-made. How many of you love Sunday school? Isn't it amazing? I love our children's ministry. But you don't have to have Sunday school. That's not Bible doctrine. We do it because it's an effective way of being able to teach our children. And and, And maybe become a sacred cow with somebody. We just call it children's ministry now. And we like it so much around here. We don't just do it on Sunday morning. We also do it on Wednesday night. And mess with us and we'll start it on Friday night. Because we believe it. Because the Bible said train up a child in the way that he should go. You want to know what the problem is in the world? That we're not training up children in the way they should go. Oh no, 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 no pastor when they get old enough they can believe for themselves. I don't find that in this word. This word said train them up in the way they should go. I'm going to get them in a Sunday school class. Get them here on Wednesday night. Train them up. Come on Annette you've got a job to do. This church is committing to praying that God uses you in a powerful Way to impact churches all around the globe to teach and preach apostolic doctrine to our children. All right, next page. You don't have to have a choir. I thank God for our music team. Oh, I thank God for it. How many of you just love good apostolic singing? that group was anointed this morning. You know what? Here's the thing. Brother Carter yesterday, he was almost apologetic for doing a couple of country songs. I was sitting there feeling like I was home. Here's the deal. I'll worship with a country song. with this. I told Brother Carter, I said, Brother Carter, I'll go to Chicago with you and go. we'll go downtown and we'll go worship with the, and, and, with the black gospel music. I'll worship with contemporary music. I'll worship with a fast song, a slow song, an old song, a new song, a middle-aged song, a song I don't know because I'm coming to worship Him and I'm going to make a joyful noise. I don't have to have it, but I do have to worship. I do have to worship. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. You don't have to have boards and committees. But the Bible does give us some layouts and tells us about... In the apostolic authority, there should be some there should be some accountability and there's safety in all of these things. The Bible gives us so all of this has some biblical overtones. But you don't have to do all of that. I, I, I've got to hurry. You, you don't you don't have to have all the modern ministries and church programming that we have today. I so enjoyed the last couple of days sitting around. Uh, where's Sister Finney? Where's Sister Finney this morning? Is she there? There you are. I, I, Brother Hackler came over a few minutes ago. I was talking about all the great. Men that have been here and I, I gave him honor the other day when we were here, Brother Price told me when I came here he said, listen, you're not gonna ever, he said, he's our neighbor preaching the same doctrine that we preach here you're never gonna have a moment's issue or problem out of him Brother Hackler has become an elder in my life I love him, respect him, he's preached this truth this, this great fellowship this great fellowship that we're part of It's it's wonderful. It's amazing. There's churches all around the country that are preaching this apostolic truth. We came together this week and able to sit around, and we played games, and I heard testimonies, and people say, I haven't had this much fun in in ages. And we just, people just enjoying it. So many positive things. This this is all good, but you don't have to have that to be an apostolic church. You know, it's just good to get together. Fellowship is biblical, and we ought to get together. And, of course, the apostles, they always ate. They went house to house daily in prayer and breaking of bread. So they started this thing out with food being right in the middle of all of it and I thank God for that. And we have live stream, and I, whether it's a blessing or a curse, I know it's a blessing for those that can't that can't come. Sometimes I worry about how things may come across on, on it's different live than it is on the stream. We we have our student ministries. I'm so proud of these students. You don't have to have youth. You don't have to have these all these extra ministries. They've been coming and praying the last couple of weeks, and and many of these that are fundraising. You're going to hear about that more. We've got a youth service coming up, a back to school service. When's that happening? Is that, is that next Sunday? Next Sunday night we're going to have, there's a special youth service happening next Sunday night. Ah, oh, it's, oh, it's going to be a good time. You're going to want to come. Bring somebody with you. And we're going to talk about all the great stuff that's happening among our youth. You don't have to have all of these small groups and, and greeters and ushers and parking lot teams and, 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 and all these different ministries. You don't have to have all of that to be an apostolic church. It's just ways that we go about reaching our community and fellowshipping. But there's some things that you must have in order to be an apostolic church. You must believe Bible doctrine that I have preached to you this morning. You must believe repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidence by speaking with other tongues. You must be submitted to a pastor and under the authority of a local church or congregation or assembly. You must believe in one God just like the apostles did. You must believe that Jehovah of the Old Testament became Jesus of the New Testament. The Jews knew him as Jehovah, but for fear of using the Lord's name in vain, they described him with his attributes, Elohim, they would say, 2,570 times in the Old Testament. They describe him as Elohim. El comes in four components of his name. El Elyon, El Roi, El Shaddai, and El Olam. And all of these being the attributes of God. God the strong one. God the one who sees. God the breastplate of one. And the everlasting God. And then of course they called him Adonai. Master Lord. God who owns all creation. But we simply know him as Jesus. He is our Savior, and he has revealed himself in ways so that he can be knowable to everybody. He is a knowable God. He's God in so many ways. To, to the banker, he is the hidden treasure. To the jeweler, he is the, per, per, the pearl of great price. To the baker, he is the living bread. To the lawyer, he is the advocate with the father. To the shepherd, he is the lamb of God. To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the lonely, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. To the florist, he is the lily of the valley and the and to the builder he is the sure foundation and the chief cornerstone to the thirsty he is the fountain of life to the lost he is the way the truth and the life to the philosopher he is the word of God to the carpenter he is the door and the nail in a sure place to the gardener he is the true vine to the astronomer he is the day star to the judge he is the faithful witness to the He is the Savior of the world. I told you, He's God to everybody and He reveals Himself in different ways. He always is God. He always was God and He always will be God and His name is Jesus and He is the Savior of the world and there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. All oh, stand with me and give God a shout of praise. Come on lift your voice and magnify the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. An apostolic church will believe in the supernatural workings of the spirit. Not because we have to conjure it up and call it down but the Bible said these signs ah, shall follow them that believe. That means if we're a church like I preached about this morning, everywhere we go there's going to be miracle signs and wonders that are going to follow everything that we do. Everywhere that we go there's going to be a breakout of miracle signs and wonders. I close with this. The apostolic church was born in unity. Unity. You don't have to agree with everything I do or say in order to be in unity with me. Because you have a different opinion doesn't mean you're not in unity with me. We can have differences in opinions and still walk in unity. Unity is agreeing to be together instead of contending for our individual view to the disunity of the body. Now you're going to hear that over and over again for the next few weeks until you can say it yourself. You don't have to agree with me to unify with me. But unifying with me says we may have a different opinion on things that don't matter, but this right here, we are in complete agreement that this word right here never fails. Because if Bible doctrine separates us I must choose to please God rather than man. Full circle back to my text, the Apostle Paul said, am I here to choose to to please God or man? Because if I please man, I'm not the servant of God. I need some people this morning that will agree with me that the Bible is right. That this truth is forever settled and it is endured to this generation. I want what I grew up, I was, I was born three days old, my mama took me to the first time to an apostolic church. I slept on a church pew, grew up playing under a church pew until I was old enough to sit beside my mama, came to an altar, repented of my sins at seven years old, was baptized in Jesus' name outdoors in February. And I still love this truth more today than I ever did. Is there anybody fully persuaded this morning? If you're not fully persuaded, but this message has touched your heart and you want to be part of what I've preached about this morning, dash to the front of this room. If you are fully persuaded in your heart and you want the world and the enemy to know, I am Jesus' name, born again, apostolic. I'm going to walk to the front of this room this morning just to let the world, to to let the devil know and to let God know and to let the church know this is who I am. Come on, let's respond with faith this morning. I need you. Hallelujah. And I'm so lost without you. I know that I would fail alone. I need you. I need you. And I can't be without you. I won't last without you. Do. I know that I